0: tell hell this is dick the fetty and you're joining us for the second part of our discussion on the hellraiser franchise tonight we'll be discussing films four through eight and then film 10 as well Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the second part of our hellraiser discussion we certainly enjoyed having it now on with the show so that's that's they they said you know what though this cow still has milk we're gonna make a fourth film and we're also going to put it in the We're
1: going to milk this cow until it's fucking dead.
0: Yeah, and these, these uh, still had some... Um, this had quote-unquote major involvement from Clive Barker. Um, all of these films... Whatever that means. Still had some information taken from the book series. But... Yeah, from
1: what I understand for, about the books is that it is much more... There's a larger play into the whole hierarchy of hell and the different Cenobites and how hell works. Yeah. And obviously they're not going to, you know, they didn't want to put that in any of the movies really.
0: Yeah. Well, because making filming stuff in hell just means you're going to have a movie that looks like shit for everybody in hell. uh, Typically. So I'm going to read. So this is the Wikipedia plot description for bloodline bloodline because this movie i love this i think movie. is most well known as the adam scott hellraiser which I is fair he's not in it a ton but he's in it enough and it's just listen to this plot description this is this is no shit the plot of this movie in 2127 dr paul merchant an engineer seals himself in a room aboard the minos a space station that he designed as armed guards attempt to break through the door, Merchant manipulates a robot into solving the lament configuration, which is the box, destroying the robot in the process. The guard breaks through the door and apprehend Merchant, who agrees to explain his motivations to their leader Rimmer, which is an unfortunate name. <laughs> the film flashes back to Paris, France, 1796. Dr. Merchant's ancestor, Philip Le Marchand, Marchand Le, Le Marchand, a <laughs> French toy maker. Makes the lament configuration on commission from the libertine aristocrat, Duc de l' Duc, Duc de Lisel, Lise, Duc de Isle. It would
1: be the French, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: I don't know. Uh, we're gonna call him Duck Island for the aristocrat <laughs> Duck Island. Unbeknownst to Le Marchand, Duck Island specifications for the box make it a portal to hell. I think that the duck is not Adam Scott, but a different guy. Adam Scott was the... The duck's assistant? Yes. Okay. So, upon delivering the box to the duck island, Le Marchand watches as he and his assistant, Jacques, which is Adam Scott, sacrifice a peasant girl and use her flayed-off skin to summon a demon, Angelique, through the box. Le Marchand runs home in terror, where he begins working on blueprints for a second box, which will neutralize the effects of the first. Returning to Duck Island's mansion to steal the box, Le Marchand discovers that Jacques has killed Duck Island and taken control over Angelique, who agrees to be his slave so long as he does not impede the wishes of hell. The pair pair kill Le Marchand and Jacques informs him that his bloodline is now cursed for helping to open a portal to hell. In 1996, Le Marchand's descendant, John Merchant, has built a skyscraper in Manhattan that resembles the lament configuration. Seeing an article on the building in a magazine, Angelique asks Jock to take her to the United States so that she can confront him. When Jock denies her request, Angelique kills him as Merchant poses a threat to hell. Angelique travels to the United States where she fails to seduce Merchant. Discovering the lament configuration in the building's foundation, Angelique tricks the security guard into solving it, which summons Pinhead. The two immediately clash as Pinhead represents a shift in the ideologies of Hell, which she left behind 200 years ago. While Angelique believes in corrupting people through temptation, Pinhead is fanatically devoted to pain and suffering. Despite their conflicting views, the pair forge an uneasy alliance to kill Merchant before he can complete the Elysium Configuration, an anti-lament configuration that creates perpetual light and would serve to permanently close off all gateways to Hell. Angelique and Pinhead initially collaborate to corrupt Merchant, but Pinhead grows tired of Angelique's seductive techniques and threatens to kill Merchant's wife and child. Having grown accustomed to a decadent life on Earth, Angelique wants no part of Hell's new fanatical austerity, and she intends to force Merchant to activate the Elysium configuration and destroy Hell, thus freeing her from its imperatives. However, Merchant's flawed prototype fails. Penhead kills Merchant and his wife opens Angelique's Lament configuration, sending Penhead and Angelique back to hell. In 2127, Rimmer disbelieves Dr. Merchant's story and has him locked away. However, Penhead and his followers, now including an enslaved Angelique, have already been freed after Merchant opened the box. Upon learning of Dr. Merchant's intentions, they kill the entire crew of the ship, save for Rimmer and Paul who escape. Paul reveals that the Minos is in fact the final, perfected form of the Elysium Configuration, and that by activating it, he can kill Pinhead and permanently seal the gateway to Hell. Paul distracts Pinhead with a hologram, a la Total Recall, while he boards an escape pod with Rimmer. Once clear of the station, he activates the Elysium Configuration. A series of powerful lasers and mirrors create a field of perpetual light, while the station transforms and folds around the light to create a massive box the light is trapped within the box, killing Pinhead and his followers, thus ending Pinhead's existence this time, permanently, except for the next six movies.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love that movie, man. I
0: like. I read this plot last night, and I was like, did I see this film? Like, I remember Adam Scott, and I remember the skyscraper, and there's like uh, these twin-headed de- like dog thing, right? That's like a Siamese twin dog. It was,
1: so, because there's, it's, the one character is an artist. Uh-huh. And there's this art gallery that's going on there and he's trying to like he's creating and he like starts to create whatever the other the outside the the anti element could be. Elysium
0: configuration. I think. Yeah. I that's remember what correctly. Yeah.
1: And the two guards. They're two that's right. identical twin guards. That's right. There's, like, a drum and their head gets, like, twisted around it. Yeah, it's so goofy. I love it. Because, I, I mean, like, the balls it takes. And also, I don't know if you have this in your notes, this is an Alan Smithy movie. Yeah. Which, if you guys don't know, Alan Smithy is a pseudonym used by directors who either have the project taken away from them or don't want to be associated with it anymore.
0: Yeah. I think that... um I think David Lynch's Dune was originally Alan Smithy, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it was. And then later, I think he got reattached. But yeah, so Kevin Yeager was the original director. He did this whole movie. And then Weinstein was like, no, different and more. And I want a happy ending. And he was like, I'm just done. And so the (laughs) movie, he sees the final movie and was like, take me off. I don't want my name on this. Yeah, I mean, as 90s as Hell World is, which is the most 90s, this is pretty close, which makes sense. This is 96. I mean, this is the middle of it, but it's... Hell, hell, hell on Earth looks like shit, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. This movie looks like a joke. Like, it's like... it. It's cartoony, you know, I know. what I mean? And maybe
1: that's why I love it.
0: Yeah, it's so... It's like a sci-fi kind of a movie, not in the sense of it's intentionally stupid and silly. It's not an asylum film kind of a thing. But it's like what sci-fi channel films used to be like before Asylum films were such a big deal. Yeah. Where it was like, they played it straight, but they looked like trash and everybody was bad. And I mean, Adam Scott is adorable and wonderful in it. And it's so fun to see him in this early evil role. Uh, But it's... I like I don't even remember this Angelique character at all. Like I know that she exists. I believe that the synopsis she, is telling she was you.
1: like the she's like the princess or the queen of hell or something.
0: Sure. I yeah, mean, she's royalty. Yeah, I believe you, but I just I I'm not so sure. So it's uh it made nine point three million on a four million dollar budget, so it still made money. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. There are definitely worse things.
1: Just the balls it takes to start the movie as a futuristic sci-fi, and then boom, straight to Medieval. fucking period piece. Yeah, yeah, 1700s France. And then boom, modern day, and then boom, back to space station.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is... It's the kind of thing that you watch and you're like, this had studio interference or or no one cared, you know? Well, I remember when we watched this one, we, you know, we
1: went into pretty much all of these blind, except Hellworld. Because uh, we knew what Hellworld was going to be the moment we saw that. We were like, yeah, we know what Hellworld is. Yeah. Um. But this, we we started it and completely thought, oh my God, we got Pinhead in space this is going to be naughty. We got Pinhead in space. Usually you save that for later in the franchise, but here we are, Pinhead in space. And then most of the movie is not in
0: space. Which, frankly, for how shitty the space stuff looks, is yeah. good, you know. I mean, uh, Event Horizon is only just the next year and looks infinitely better. It was also made with a much bigger budget. But, like, yeah. I mean, this movie, it's just graphically, like... You know, so much of this stuff of this era where CG... I mean, bad CG now looks bad, but, like, bad CG... Event Horizon
1: is pinheaded in
0: space, though. I mean, Yeah, yeah, that's a really fair point, so... And even that movie suffers from its own... Trips over its own dick bullshit with the... Trying to throw in the action stuff, but... I can forgive that because most of the movie's awesome. And when you see that reactor of Event Horizon, and it's all just like a room full of spikes and a big swirling <laughs> Who built this? Yeah, you know, like why is this how this works? And Sam Neill's just like having a fucking ball. Where we're going, you won't need eyes to see. Just, oh, why are we talking about that movie?
1: Because there's only one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, guys, we're getting into the real dregs here.
0: No, no, we're just getting into direct-to-video. It's just a different era. So, I mean, the thing that I will say, (laughs) first off, is that we've already talked about it, but it really bears repeating. This movie came out in 2000. It was filmed, I can't imagine, much before that. And it looks and feels like a movie... From like 1998 or 7, being generous, like it feels like a 7 knockoff or like a, I don't know, like every other, like hard boiled, dark detective, whatever story. Now, I really love this one and it's kind of ironic. Irony is not the right thing, but it's funny because I love it and I still missed probably at least a quarter of it because when we watched it I was falling asleep I was so tired but I still just really enjoyed the shit out of it and I even have a sick ass shirt that my buddy got me that says it's got like Japanese you know shit on it and Hellraiser Inferno and it's it's cool as crap and uh, if there was a non original Hellraiser movie I'd want a shirt of it is this movie so uh What? Nothing,
1: nothing. I'm just... uh, Hellraiser Inferno. Anyway, go ahead.
0: So I think that... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read these production notes first, um, and then I want to... I'm just... I think it really... Reading these Wikipedia plot descriptions are just humorous because it's like, again, like, you're reading this shit, like, somebody had to write this. Somebody wrote this synopsis, and, like, did they laugh while they did it? Did they, like, what, like... Well, the thing is, like, after
1: two on IMDb, all of the synopsis for all of the movies are, like, two sentences long.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and this movie, Hellraiser Inferno, and the next movie, Hellraiser Hellseeker, are really similar in their style. They're exactly the same. They're not exactly the same. They're exactly... They're, give them the plot.
1: Give them the plot, Dick Fetty. Give them the plot. Oh,
0: well, when you hear the plot for Hellseeker, you're going to be like, I don't remember that being like that. Um, no, okay. I
1: remember because the guy who played Dexter's dad and Dexter's in it. and
0: Yeah, he is. And also the guy who plays, um, what's his face? Fucking uh, Liz Lemon's boyfriend in 30 Rock. I don't watch 30 Rock. Oh, my God. The Beeper King. Oh, it'll come to me. But we'll get back to that. So the production notes for Inferno are Clive Burke.
1: You're going to give the synopsis first?
0: No, I'm going to do the production notes real quick. So Clive Barker confirmed in an online appearance on AOL in 1996. (laughs) Yikes! Yup. After the American release of Hellraiser Bloodline, the Dimension Films intended to make a fifth installment in the series, while the film's screenwriter, Peter Atkins, claimed that there had been reshoots to leave room for at least two more sequels. One concept was a project called Hellraiser Hellfire, a pitch by Stephen Jones and Michael Marshall Smith in which Kirstie Cotton would face a plot by a cult to unleash the Leviathan, which is like the hell Satan. Beast. It's like the devil. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in Hellraiser 2. But it's like a big geometric shape. Yeah. Uh, would unleash the Leviathan and the Cenobites into the real world with a climax involving a large limit configuration in closing London. The pitch was rejected due to budgetary concerns after the film was opted to be released direct-to-video. Although Barker was briefly in negotiations to return as executive producer in 1999, he was ultimately dropped from the production due to creative disagreements with the studio. I don't want it to be shit, please don't make it <laughs> shit. They were like, oh no, we can't have this guy around. And was barred from providing any sort of assistance on the film. No, 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 no. It, it just, just make the plot make sense. I don't think we're going to do that. Absolutely not. Bob and Harvey Weinstein ultimately commissioned a script by Paul Harris, Boardman, and Scott Derrickson. After giving Derrickson $10,000 to direct a single scene from the film, they hired him as the director. Doug Bradley has since claimed that Boardman and Derrickson's scripts was was originally not intended as a Hellraiser sequel and that it was rewritten to provide connections to the series. Now, this is definitely true for Hellseeker, Debtor, and Hellworld, which we're going to get into in a moment uh like i said those were spec scripts that were just but uh is that true for inferno extremely possible almost definitely plot Joseph Thorne <laughs> is a corrupt Denver police detective who regularly indulges in drug use. Infidelity. They say infidelity during the course of duty. He bangs whores while he's <laughs> supposed to be working. He
1: bangs whores.
0: Yeah, he, this is like classic bad detective, all the stereotypes, right? He's like planting drugs. He's doing drugs. He's banging whores. He's beating up women. He's he's uh, coercing witnesses. He's bad cop, you know? He's a true detective.
1: Yeah, he's a naughty boy. Yeah,
0: he's a naughty true detective, so... Uh, at the scene of what appears to be a ritual murder, Thorne discovers a strange puzzle box, which he takes home in order to indulge his fascination with puzzles. After solving the box, <laughs> Thorne begins to experience bizarre hallucinations, such as being seduced by a pair of mutilated women and being chased by a creature with no eyes or legs. I think this is why I like this <laughs> movie, because I read this and I was like, that sounds awesome. I was like, you saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thorne also makes a connection between the murder and a killer known as the, quote, engineer, who was in the first film, who is suspected of having kidnapped a child. Thorne goes in search of the engineer, who in turn begins mur- murdering Thorne's friends and associates, leaving behind one of the children's fingers at every crime scene. While undergoing therapy for his hallucinations, Thorne's psychiatrist reveals himself to be Pinhead, the leader of the group of the entities known That's as the right. Cenobites. <laughs> who used the puzzle box as a portal between their realm and the mortal realm. Pinhead informs Thorne that he has in fact been in the Cenobites realm since opening the box, where they have been subjecting him to psychological torture for the various cruelties he has inflicted on others. The Engineer is a manifestation of Thorne's own cruelty, while the Child is a personification of Thorne's innocence, which he has slowly been killing through corruption, hedonism, and violence. As hooked chains appear and begin to ensnare Thorne, pinhead informs him that he will be subjected to an eternity of torment for his sins and this is this divine punishment or semi-divine or like you know whatever part of the whole series and i think that works well enough it, it, i but didn't you call it i feel like you called it halfway in the movie we're like this is all fucking dreams yeah. this is a fucking dream i'm gonna yeah. hate this movie yeah. and then it got over and you're like this is fucking bullshit yeah.
1: Because that's my, i that is my most hated movie trope. Yeah. Where you get to the end of it and you're like, none of it was real. Yeah.
0: And like, Shut the Except fuck up. Except for sometimes in this film
1: series like when it, it's fun. If given to the right director, right? Like, sure. Like, just the whole, like, his friend's getting killed, leaning a child's finger at the scene of the murder, like, give that to Dave Fincher, make a good movie. Sure. Make a good movie. And they're like, you know what? What if we jam a whole bunch of fucking Cino bites up
0: in that shit? Yeah. But they don't really... I mean, that was the thing I remember about Inferno was that there's really very few Cenobites. Yeah. It's part of what makes it, like, feel so clearly like this would have just been a shitty movie about a cop who, like, you know, he's at a crime scene, gets shot in the head, and then, like, he's having a coma, And but instead is, like, losing okay, his mind yeah, trying right. to track this guy down or whatever. It could have so been something like that, but instead they were like... Instead we got therapist... Hellraiser in it. The therapist, Benhead. Yeah which was pretty good and also very dumb, but it looks, I think it looks much better than three or four. It's, it's much uh smaller scope and more like traditional urban setting rather than constantly showing us pillars that are spinning or hell or whatever, or, you know, all that really work to its budgetary constraints. So it doesn't look, like, they're stretching out their money as far as they can go and just getting shitty effects, I feel like it looked pretty good for a B-movie noir kind of...
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's big because they weren't, you know, necessarily actually Hellraiser movies to begin with. From here on, everything feels more like... Anth- like shorts in an anthology. Yeah.
0: They're basically stories set in but the Hellraiser are, universe. Yeah. But the Hellraiser universe has no continuity (laughs) of directors, writers, reasons, anything. I mean, we really will get, like, it's just, they're just like, we need a boogeyman, and they're an already established group of boogeymen. And so, it's fine. They show up, they flay you, it's cool.
1: Billy, could you imagine if they did something like this with Mike Myers? Where it's just like... Something totally different, like, this girl's possessed by the devil. And, like, towards the end, you're like, psych, she's possessed by Mike Myers. I guess I kind of did that with some of the later ones, though. Anyway, go on.
0: Yeah. So, I like it. Um, I don't. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and uh, there's also not much in the way of... I don't even think... Yeah, they, they stopped posting the budgets for these movies after this. So, this movie had a $2 million budget. And they don't tell you what like the video sales were, in comparison. So I don't know if it made them any money or not. You could probably find it somewhere. Yeah, I I have to say that this is. I mean, I could rewatch this movie and be like, "This is trash," and I wish I never did. But I feel like if I rewatched it, I'd be like, this is my kind of dumb. So, okay, then we get to Hellraiser Hellseeker, which this movie. So the last one was came out in 2000, but it felt like it was from 1996. This movie comes out in 2002 and feels like it's definitely like a nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, 1998, 1999. Like, having that post-Matrix kind of stylizations oh, yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. Dennis. Dennis is the character's name of Liz Lemon. And he's the guy who's in the, the insurance commercials, and he used to be in Oz. Um, his name is... Let's see. Dean Winters. So yeah if you saw him you'd know him that's the actor's name uh is there even production to tell you oh yes okay so i think i think we have our format and i'm just gonna do a little production yeah, notes the production. And, and then we're gonna read these fucking plots <laughs> and you're gonna tell me if is this a movie we watched is this a real <laughs> movie <sighs> okay hellraiser hellseeker also known as hellraiser 6 hellseeker oh jeez it was directed by Rick Boda and written by Carl a fucking mouthful Dupree and Tim Day. Uh, it features the return of Kirstie Cotton, the heroine from Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2. And while Clive Barker was not part of the uh, production team, he did give input into the last act of the film. And this Please was, stop. And this is the last <laughs> stop film. Stop doing this. This is the last film he had any input on. After that, he was like, just fucking pay me. I'd so, rather
1: go back to sex work.
0: Writer Michael Lent gained attention for a spec script that he had written was invited by the Weinstein brothers to pitch on the fifth installment of the Hellraiser franchise. Lent's story, The Hellseeker, began with... Well, this is the sixth movie in the franchise, but whatever. ...with a fire at a remote radio station... Uh, yeah. Anyways, there's a really dumb spec script that basically none of it turns into what they get. Uh, the script goes through a shitload of drafts, uh, different executive... Producers come and go, they all get fired. There's a bunch of shifting in dimensions. And eventually they wind up with an entirely new script. So this original script is uh, not even, um, has nothing to do with anything. So at Boda's suggestion, who was the director, the script was rewritten to include the film's first protagonist, Kirstie Cotton, who had been absent from the series since a cameo in the third film. Although it initially appeared Ashley Lawrence would not be able to reprise the role, uh, Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead, informed her about it and said, you know, come on, do it. And she was like, I need money. We all need to get paid. And so she showed up. And then uh, the director showed a work print of the film to Clive Barker. He gave some notes. They made some changes. And Less shit. Apparently Doug Bradley had some hand in what the movie was gonna what the script was gonna do and the story was gonna do at the end and they changed that barker basically overwrote what he did but anyhow this is the plot <laughs> you think inferno sounds dumb that movie is a fucking gem this shit is just but it's well. got kirsty it does have kirsty and she is hot did we mention that yeah, she is like she's like such very, a cutie pie very hot and I would say more, she's she's very attractive, but she's got like more of a cute energy. And I liked
1: her character, I liked the way they wrote her in this movie. I'm just going to say it. Okay. There.
0: Yeah. Trevor Gooden survives a car accident that Gooden. apparently killed his wife, Kirsty Cotton Gooden, when their car plunged off a bridge into the river below. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Trevor manages to escape with his life, but even though the police divers find both car doors open, there is no sign of Kirsty. One month later, Trevor wakes up in a hospital and realizes that his wife is missing. But because of a head injury, his memory is uncertain and he cannot distinguish between fantasy and reality. Trevor finds himself the prime suspect in a murder case and has n- numerous encounters with homicide detectives Givens and Lang. Many strange events befall him, including experiencing various hallucinations and several important events turning out to be just figments of his imagination. It sounds so familiar. Trevor also witnesses his friend, Brett, commit suicide. Eventually, Trevor is summoned to the police station and taken to the basement by Detective Lang in order to identify a body. There, it is revealed that Givens and Lang are actually a single monstrous creature with two different heads. Trevor runs away from them and enters a morgue. Just as he is about to uncover a dead body on an operating table, Penhead appears and reveals the truth to Trevor. In reality... Kirstie is, in fact, still alive. Trevor cheated on Kirstie with many other women and tried to get rid of Kirstie by making her reopen the lament configuration. She did, but before being (laughs) taken away forever, she made one last deal with Pinhead. She offered to give him five souls in exchange for hers. She killed three of Trevor's mistresses and his friend Brett, who was conspiring to kill her for her fortune. Trevor is in shock by the revelation and takes the covers off the body of the operating table, believing it to be Kirstie. The person on the table is not Kirsty, but it's in fact him. He is the what? fifth soul in this entire time. He's been in hell, living in limbo.
1: Oh well, my God, it was all a dream?
0: Trying to rediscover his past and piece his life back together was his punishment for his disloyalty to his wife and his inability to accept who he truly was. It seems that she pinned all of the murders on Trevor and shot Trevor through the head while he was driving, leading him to crash the car into the river Making his death appear a suicide. Not really sure about all that. Just driving along and cap yourself. This seems like two very different activities. The film ends with Kirstie walking away from the car crash scene with the limit configuration in her hand. Oh. Never to be seen again. Yeah. I remember it was like we were watching it and it was like we just kept trying to guess where the movie was going and it was like it has to be dumber than that. It's got to be dumber. (laughs) But like you just never. You can't believe. We just can't believe it's another "He's been dead this
1: whole time" movie. (laughs) Like we can't. They wouldn't do that to us twice, right?
0: No. Wrong. 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 You got anything more to say about Hellseeker? I liked this one better than Inferno because you're a piece of shit.
1: I just like that Christy was back, and she turned out to be evil.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the general consensus with this film is that people prefer it over Inferno, but those people are all, are all obviously wrong. So, uh, if I'm going to have... Uh-huh. I'd rather have a coke-snorting detective than fucking Dennis from 30 Rock. So, I just remember him riding a bus. Pfft, I don't need that in my movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck buses! Dick Fetty takes a stance on motel hell.
0: I used to like bus, but now I now don't. I hate bus. Bus is racist. Okay, we're getting we're in the home stretch now. It's the dumbness is coming to a close. We only have two more to talk about because the last film in the series we haven't seen yet. So we That's can do a brief synopsis. Oh lord! Hellraiser, Deader, which Boo. just a terrible name for a film this, it doesn't even make sense this this movie came out in 2005 it is like almost impossible to believe. watch watch these previews in order on 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 the fucking amazon or youtube or whatever and you'll be just like you're gonna see this and think i know that it's directed video i understand that but like they look so old okay the, it was directed by Rick Boda, who directed the previous film. The script was written by Neil Marshall Stevens. Uh, it was unrelated spec script and retreated to make it into a Hellraiser film. It was filmed on location in 2002 in Romania and only had a few private screenings before being released straight to video three years later. So the film is based on Neil Marshall Stevens' spec script, Deader which was submitted to Dimension Films in 2000 during the production of his script, 13 Ghosts, and had been planned to be produced by Stan Winston. As in the final film, it entailed a newspaper reporter being sent to Romania to cover an underground cult who had discovered the secret of immortality and had gained contact with an otherworldly Dimension, but did not feature connections to the Hellraiser series. Although Tim Day had wanted to write a direct sequel to Hellraiser Hellseeker featuring a final conflict between Pinhead and Kirsty. Bob Weinstein directed him to rewrite <laughs> Detter into a Hellraiser sequel similar in tone to the Japanese horror films Ring and Pulse. After a brief Boo! delay, after <laughs> a brief delay during the production of the 2006 American remake of Pulse, work on Detter resumed. Boo! Scott Derrickson was approached to direct but declined and Rick Boda was rehired from the previous film. The film was originally rewritten to take place in London and later the Lower East Side of Manhattan before the producers opted to film it simultaneously with another Hellraiser sequel titled Hellraiser Hellworld in Romania between, octu- between October and December 2002 to save costs. Production was difficult due to the inability of the Americans and the cast and crew to understand the Romanian set actors and workers it's shocking that it might be difficult to converse with the people that don't speak get into the, the full plot frank the, the the plots summaries just get shorter and shorter for these movies and so do the production details like there's there's like six pages of production details for uh the third one and this this not so much okay don't worry guys this one this is this is one that saves the series Reporter Amy Klein is sent to Bucharest at the behest of her boss, Charles, to investigate a videotape depicting the ritualistic murder and subsequent reanimation of a member of a cult calling themselves the Debtors. I kind of remember this now. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. In a, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. They have, like, a found footage movie that they watch of yeah. it. Yeah, so
0: that's... You got your ring influence right there, and then, I guess, Pulse, because the movie's fucking awful. and looks <laughs> like shit. Oh... Amy tracks down the return address of the tape and discovers the corpse of its sender, Marla, holding the lament configuration. She returns to her hotel and opens the box, triggering an apparent dream in which she summons Pinhead. Amy delves into the Bucharest subculture and meets Joey, who who warns her about the debtors and notices that Amy has a self-destructive thing. Amy pursues leads, ultimately tracking down Winter LeMachand, the leader of the cult. Winter, as the descendant of the toy maker who designed the puzzle box, believes he is destined to access the realm of the Cenobites and become their master. Really getting that
1: shoehorn in there.
0: Oh, yeah. Unable to open the box himself, Winter believes that only an individual exhibiting trauma-induced nihilism can open the box. That's a sentence that you had to hear. To this end, he founded the debtors and attracted emotionally vulnerable followers so that he could kill them and reanimate them. Winter does this to Amy, resulting... In her experiencing an extended waking dream in which she relives her father's physical and sexual abuse and her subsequent murder of him as a oh, child. Oh yeah.
1: I remember how dark that got <laughs> real quick.
0: Yeah, there like there's a part in this film early on where she's on a subway train and then like they get to the last car and it's just like a bunch of like pseudo Cenobite like nudity like rave party and i was like this is cool i guess and then yeah and then it's like oh her getting raped by right, dad and i was like this movie fucking sucks this is no longer fun coming back to the living world amy successfully opens the box and summons the cenobites Penhead expresses disdain for winter and his family denying that any mortal could ever control the cenobites
1: ethan winters
0: <laughs> so who's that that's from uh right resident evil yeah He proceeds to slaughter the debtors before indicating to Amy that she is now indebted to them by opening the box, saying that her father has been waiting for her in hell. Rather than be taken, Amy kills herself, resulting in the box closing, and sending out an electrical charge that banishes the Cenobites back to hell and causes the debtor's compound to explode. Later, Charles, unaware of Amy's whereabouts, assigns a new female journalist to investigate the tape. The film ends with a reporter holding up the puzzle box, which has been recovered from the destroyed compound.
1: Boo! Worst
0: one. Easily the worst one. Maybe even worse. Mm. No. Okay, not the worst. No, Revelations is is the worst. Easily the worst fucking thing. Uh, Yeah. So we. All I can say is like the part where she finds the corpse is kind of a cool setup. I remember there being like a bunch of strings or something. (laughs) I don't know. Like
1: the the whole movie looked terrible it did it looks the set
0: design was terrible yeah i mean it was you know shot as cheaply as possible in romania so it just sucks because
1: like these spec scripts sound like they could be something cool
0: yeah i'm sure there's a million could be something cool spec scripts in fucking hollywood yeah that's true they're like churn it out but um yeah it was it was not good it was bad it
1: was my least favorite
0: And isn't this the one, like, is this the one where there's the big room, there's, like, a conveyor belt, like, or, like, meat hooks and all that? Or is that Hellworld? That just sounds like all of them. No, I know, but, I mean, I remember being a room in a big house. But I think that might be Hellworld.
1: That's Hellworld. Is it? That's Hellworld, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they go to... We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, so, like... Hellworld's my guilty pleasure.
0: Oh, no, Hellworld's fun. Hellworld's fun. So, and, again, like... We, I mean we would watch we've watched the trailers for these movies so many times before we watched them we had to like psych ourselves up be like oh, alright mm-hmm. and then she does what and Hellworld was the one where we kept watching being like I can't wait to get to film 8 in the Hellraiser franchise and we weren't disappointed it was exactly no. as dumb and as fun as we thought it would be so do you have anything to add? no I fucking hated that movie yeah it was bad you gotta watch it okay. yeah I guess. So, Rick Boda... We didn't
1: know that there wasn't going to be a through line, so... Yeah, Rick... We're like, what if they add to the lore? They never did. <laughs> no.
0: Rick Boda uh, comes back. Big Boda. Boda! Uh, for Hellraiser Hellworld. The 2005 British-American supernatural horror film. The eighth installment in the horror <laughs> <Ranger> series. <laughs> it's based on a short story called Dark Can't Breathe by Joel Sosin that sounds like something different (laughs) yeah uh racist (laughs) the film stars Lance Henriksen in the role of the host Henriksen originally approached to play the role of Frank Cotton in the first film but turned down uh the role to star in the vampire thriller in the year dark which I've never seen but it's supposed to be great
1: yeah there are actually two decent names in this one's Lance, Lance Henriksen now, the other one is the haughty witcher himself, Superman all day, every
0: day, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's another reason I fucking love this movie. Sure, sure. These are the, the production notes for this are quick. I basically already said them. So, uh, it, Hellraiser, Deader, and Hellworld were shot uh, side by side in Romania because there was a deal that basically like romania was like you can shoot you can't shoot one film here for your tax evasion you have to shoot two so they're like all right uh and then the other people like the names in the film were basically there because they were already in romania shooting other shitty films like dracula 2 ascension and mimic 3 the sentinel so (laughs) um you know i guess when in romania (laughs) That was good. So I think we have to explain the preview, which basically is girls at home alone, doorbell rings. She's like, I don't know, on the internet or maybe she's not. I can't remember exactly, but basically like finally she goes to answer the door and then she's looking through the people and then her boyfriend shows up with the monster mask on or like she opens the door and he's got one on and he tries, it's like a false scare, right? Yeah, yeah. He comes in and then he's like, oh, did you see the invitation? Blah, blah, blah and they're invited to go to this hellworld party for the hellworld video game which is like basically it's the meta hellraiser right so everybody knows about the Cenobites cuz it's online and there's like an mmorpg type it's like new nightmare
1: they like they live within the the world where it is a thing and people know about it yeah
0: and so but there's like a literal video game based around the Cenobites. And this group of friends has one friend who's so into it, and then he kills himself. And then shortly after that, they all get invited to some party. And I feel like, in my memory, the party's in Romania, but I guess that doesn't make sense. It's probably just down the way. No, no, well, no, they in the another country. country, weren't they? Were they? Hmm. Um but it
1: felt like they were yeah, it but, feels like they were and we're
0: we're sort of already now just di- getting into the plot stuff but like in the preview they're showing you these graphics on the computer oh my God. for it and it's like it looks like 1998 flash animation i'm like is this fucking newgrounds like it's it's so shitty and so awful like first ever quest kind of thing And then you read the fucking release date. And it's like, okay, well, it was made three years earlier than it was released. Okay, I guess I get it a little bit. But even for 2002, the movie looks like 1998. It's just so... But it's like that combination of meta, but not... Like, they actually do it in a pretty not-awful way. The meta part is, like, pretty minimal. Uh, and just that like whole extra layer of like MMORPG Hellraiser lifestyle is just so stupid, but it's so good that, yeah, I think we, what do the
1: kids lack nowadays? MMOs. Yeah.
0: So, uh, should I blow through the plot again? Do it. A group of young people are addicted to playing an online computer game called Hellworld, which is based on the Hellraiser series. (laughs) Adam was so obsessed with the game and ultimately committed suicide after becoming too immersed in the game. This is a poorly written synopsis for a poorly written movie. At the funeral, the remaining five friends blame themselves for not having prevented Adam's suicide. Two years later, they attend a private Hellworld party at an old mansion after receiving invites through the game. Mike, Derek, and Allison are enthusiastic about the party, while Chelsea reluctantly accompanies them. Jake, who is still very much distressed by Adam's death, only agrees to show up after a female Hellworld player with whom he has struck up an online friendship asks him to attend so they can meet. The quintet are cordially welcomed by the middle-aged party host who offers them drinks. This is Lance Henriksen. Shows them around the mansion, allegedly a former convent and a sane asylum, also built by Philip Marchand and provides them with cell phones to communicate with other guests.
1: It was a convent and an insane asylum. There were There was a burial ground. And then
0: the puzzle box man made it. And then
1: there was a puzzle box man. And it's just like, they're like, how many haunted bullshits? And then then a guy, and then a nun got raped by a thousand maniacs.
0: (laughs) And you are the father. (laughs) As the party progresses, Allison and Derek and Mike find themselves trapped in separate parts of the houses, and are gruesomely killed by the host, Pinhead, and Cenobite minions, Chatterer and Bound. Jake and Chelsea become mysteriously invisible to other party guests and are stalked by the host and the Cenobites. Holding herself up in the attic, Chelsea finds an items belonging to Adam and discovers that the host is his father, who blames his son's friends for not helping break his addiction to the video game. Chelsea and Jake try to flee, only to discover that they have been buried alive and are receiving messages from the host via cell phones in their respective casks. Yeah, caskets.
1: Yeah.
0: The host informs that they are just coming out of a hallucination induced by a powerful psychedelic to which he exposed them upon their arrival, and that the events they had been experiencing have been the result of hypnotic suggestion in their own guilty consciences. Once again, it was all a dream. <laughs> But it's, like, the most convoluted it was all a dream that at this point, it's just, like, fucking hilarious. Before leaving, he lets Chelsea know that Allison, Derek, and Mike have all perished in their respective caskets and that only she and Jake remain alive. As Chelsea begins to slip into another hallucination, she is abruptly pulled above ground by police and paramedics and reunites with Jake as he is being taken into an ambulance. And, like... It's so dumb, like it's just, oh. the police and the paramedics say they were tipped off by a phone call from Chelsea's telephone. Chelsea does not know who could have called them, but she looks towards the house and she sees Adam standing in the window. Oh. Later, the host sits in the bedroom going through a suitcase containing Adam's possessions. He finds and opens the actual Lament configuration, which summons the real Cenobites. Penhead praises Adam's ingenuity and mocks the host's disbelief before the chatterer and bound Cinnabites tear him into pieces. Jake and Chelsea are shown driving into the sunrise when they receive a mysterious phone call from the host, who suddenly appears in the back seat. The two almost crash the car, but are able to stop it, and the host disappears. The last scene shows the police entering the bedroom in which the host opened the box, and the walls blood-smeared, the box laying on the floor.
1: I just... Like... Even though I complain about it, there's something... That's so comforting and lovely about all these, like, you know, five on, or was it four on? Was the first one they. Five's
0: the first directed video.
1: Where it's just like, every single one of these, it was all a dream. And, because, like, how, like, how are you, how else are you gonna make it make sense with the Cenobites? And, I mean, even listening to that, like, This movie was clearly had nothing to do with Cenobites when it was written. And... But, like, it's that, like, early 2000s, like, computer shit that is just so far from how computers work and online games work that is just
0: so lovely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the classic, like... Like you said, what are the kids like? Yeah. How can we just try to like jam a concept into a thing that like Hey is there, so... fellow kids. Yeah, I mean it's laughable and um like I said, when the twist happens that they're in these caskets in the front yard of the house, it it's like why? And how? And what? What? <laughs> we were just looking at each other like like, there was a lot of dumb shit that we called, but then it was like, oh, but don't worry that even those calls that were that dumb were even dumber, because it's not... It didn't it didn't happen. And, like... But at that point, you know, the thing about Hellseeker or Inferno is that, like, you know, it, it feels like, oh, this is serious. Like, this movie isn't to the point of camp, but almost, and it's like, it's so absurd from its start because it's like trying to incorporate that youth thing, that hell world, you know. That it's just that it's so dumb that it's like I don't even fucking care. Where the other ones have these moments, and I think the other huge thing is that, and one of the reasons I think also that people like Hellseeker more than Inferno is that Dean Winters is a good actor. Like he's good yeah. in the part, and the script may be fucking trash, but he does his best, and he's got a good. He's definitely like a, like sleazy antihero kind of character. And also the chick that plays Kirstie is great. And then similarly in this movie, Lance Henriksen is a good actor. Like, he's just a pleasure to behold. So him is, like, the sort of evil bad guy mastermind. And Henry whatever.
1: Cavill's hot.
0: Yeah, Henry Cavill's hot. And so it's uh, like, again, it sort of elevates it from like the extreme dreck. Like, Detter just has nothing. Debtor provides yeah, literally nothing. Nothing. And, and... Yeah. And it's so, the only
1: one where it wasn't all a dream.
0: Yeah. There was some parts that were a dream, but... Yeah.
1: It's just, like... I think we even made a joke when we watched Hellworld World about, oh. like, getting a copy of it and meeting Henry Cavill at a convention and having him fucking sign up. I'd be
0: like, hey, you remember when you made this shit? fucking asshole. <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah, these are the kinds of films that, like... I mean, they weren't... They feel like they were direct to VHS, and they were... They were they were released years after they stopped making VHSs. Like yeah. it's just like, yikes! This is it's not Redbox level, but almost.
1: Yeah, it's well. If if they didn't have the Hellraiser tag on it, they would have made no money.
0: Zero. It would have been
1: the shovelware that we get with all Harder today, where yeah. it's just, you know, digitally edited movie posters and. Uh, but that's that's everything we got. We already talked about the ninth one. We don't. We haven't watched the final one, guys. Sorry.
0: So I'm going to hit you with uh, just a little bit of information about it because it's slightly interesting. So Hellraiser Judgment is the 2018 American horror film written and directed by Gary J. Tinnocliffe, who wrote the uh, Hellraiser Revelations, which we watched today. So, terrifying to think that the man wrote and directed this movie. I can't imagine that's going to make it better than what we watch. But, that being said, we've watched the trailer a couple times. It looks like it's like a grayscaled version of a 90s New Metal video. It reminds it's... me so much of, like, something between Mudvayne, Marilyn Manson, and Rob Zombie.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 what they did in the 2000s with all horror movie remakes. like uh the Texas Chainsaw remake or the Friday 13th remake or a Halloween remake like it all has that like kind of like brown dirty look to it and it just needs to be like over the top gory and edgy and
0: yeah i think this is going to be more like though like it looks almost chalky to me and it looks like a music video it yeah. looks like a music video movie it's you know it's not nearly as like ultra um, possible to see like Pulse I don't think it looks more clear than oh that God, the, the ending in Pulse no don't make me <laughs> live it don't make me think about it Uh who cares about who's in it the movie centers around three police detectives who investigating a series of murders are confronted by the denizens of hell mm, the film introduces a new faction of hell called the Stygian Inquisition mm-hmm. while the Cenobites offer sadomastic Pseudomasochistic pleasures to humans that enter their dominion The Inquisition processed the souls of sinners Uh, (sighs) Unable to direct a screenplay for Hellraiser Revelations due to scheduling conflict Tunnicliffe initially removed all references to the series uh, From his judgment concept and tried to make it as an independent film in 2013 he intended on making a, quote, true Hellraiser film because of his disappointment with the latter films. Huh. Several years later, really? Dimension Films was required to make another Hellraiser film to retain their rights, giving Tenneclyffe a new chance to propose his vision. The concept was initially rejected, but accepted after he negotiated changes with the studio execs. It was filmed in Oklahoma with Children of the Corn, colon, Runaway, both films produced by Michael Le- 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 Leahy. Oh. It is the second Hellraiser film without Doug Bradley as Pinhead. Newcomer Taylor was cast after impressing Tunnicliffe in an audition. He and Tunnicliffe decided to develop a new look and interpretation rather than imitating Bradley's performance. Judgment was scheduled to be released in 2017 with minimal marketing to avoid negative publicity, but was temporarily shelved. According to Taylor, its release was not a priority for Dimension until the sexual abuse allegations. Let's call them rape allegations and then, oh, what do they call it, convictions yep. for Harvey Weinstein uh, were taken care of. It was distributed by Lionsgate Films on Video On Demand and Home Video on February 13, 2018. Although critics compared the film favorably to its predecessors, its low budget and police procedural aspects were criticized. So we have not seen this. We will see it at one point. We will report back. It will undoubtedly be trash. But it does seem like it might have an iota of creativeness above and beyond what we saw in Revelations tonight, which was at least the least creative of all of the films by far. And I think that's what makes it the worst. Like even debtor was a terrible fucking shit movie, but there was some level of creativity and this movie Revelations had none. So we'll see what this is
1: like. At least at least Pinhead doesn't look like straight fucking garbage in this yeah. from the from the what we've seen. The trailer, yeah. And, and like I like police procedural stuff, so
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean the idea that there's a new faction in hell stupid, but like at least it's something different. Yeah, whatever. And so. then
1: we're gonna get titty pinhead titty at head. some point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's just covered in nipples. I showed you my pu- puzzle box, please <laughs> respond. Yeah. So, I hope you guys got some enjoyment out of this. I mean, I think, if anything, I would say in summation, we find the Hellraiser series to be uh, unendingly stupid, much like, I would say, dumber than Halloween, but not by much. The Halloween movies get awfully fucking stupid, but uh, it's just typically pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Like, it's not normally a slog. So yeah.
1: It's like, so, like, the two you can skip out of those two franchises, H2O... Don't watch H two O, and don't watch Deader. Don't watch Deader. It, it, it's awful. You don't you don't need to see it. But you should.
0: It, no, no, you should do no. it. Why should we be the only ones subjected to such torture? Because we're we're, exp- we're helping. We're, them. we're explorers of unknown dimensions yeah. of pain. So that's true. That's true.
1: And you know, it's definitely not nearly as bad as what we assume the rest of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchises because. I don't know if I'm ready to be hurt again after watching three. Yeah, that was pretty fucking awful. It was
0: so boring. The other thing I will say that is cool about Hellraiser is that more than most horror franchises, especially the early films, have been sampled to death in electronic music and also in heavy metal. So, Mortician has some great uses of their samples. But in especially hardcore and Gabber, I mean, there is a specific trancecore Gabber label called Cinebyte Recordings that's just all focused around Hellraiser stuff, and that label fucking rules, so check that out, but, I mean, the whole demons to some, angels to others, and will tear your soul apart, and, uh, you opened it, we came, you know, uh, it is a waste of good suffering, all this stuff yeah. is, uh, it's just endlessly sampleable so... I, I yelled, uh, we, o- uh, you opened it, we came the first time My wife took off my pants. Yeah, sure. So, but, uh, yeah, we, we love Hellraiser and, uh, even though it's trash and...
1: We do love trash. Yeah. But, you know, it, Dick Fetty and I had a discussion the other night cause we watched, uh, Lars, Lars Von Trier's uh, The House that Jack Built and it was so funny just... You know, we watched that, and then we watched Seven recently, and it's so funny watching two very competently made movies, and how
0: quiet we were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're watching a good movie, it's like a whole other different kind of experience. Yeah. So, uh, no, we definitely recommend going out and
1: watching them, and just don't watch Deter. Just don't do it. You know what? No, watch Debtor. Don't watch Revelations. <laughs>
0: You because can't. you can't anyway.
1: It's you can get it
0: through un. You can torrent
1: it. Yeah, yeah you can say unlegal that. means, but you have to risk your PC and your sanity to do it. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. Happy Halloween. Later, nerds. Later.